We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, We are now starting week two of Stress Less. Dan Goway, in his book, The End of Stress, makes his declaration. He says that, There's a new epidemic that's sweeping the world, and it's not a virus, it's stress. Almost everyone, and we certainly have zero exceptions here, has experienced stress at either work or at home. Without knowing how to be able to deal with stress, it becomes this lethal affliction. Now get this, one of the leading causes of death, the CDC notes that of the six leading causes of death in the world, all of them are linked back with chronic stress involved in that. One of the things I think is so important for us is how he finishes this statement up. It's when he says that the most damaging, though, of the effects of stress is that it keeps us from reaching our potential. That is, stress can have this negative impact on our lives and how they're being lived out. Now, all of us deals with it. And to kind of bring it back to a, just a little less heavy, you know, start, I wanted to ask you, stress-related, how many can remember your first driving test? I can remember when you take your first driving test. Yeah? Any stress in that at all? Anybody here take your kids out when they were learning to drive. Anybody like that? Any stress in that at all? I can still feel my heartbeat. They're just racing at at this point with it. With driving, you need to recognize what the signs are or the, you know, the signs of the road. And there's one here. You recognize this? This indicates there's what coming up. It's a roundabout. How many just look at this sign and go like, I got stress, you know, with that? Roundabouts can stress me out, not because I don't know how to use them. It's those other people. <laughs> I mean, drive through, you know, 43 and Moreland, they're back-to-back roundabouts right there in busy traffic, and you can just see the look in some people's eyes. They're not sure what to do and when to go, and I am just like, you know, freaking out as a result of that. You know the whole purpose of a roundabout? A roundabout's designed so that you crash slow. I mean, they're designed to, be, you know, to make accidents that way. But this sign also is just a great picture, I think, for us of what can happen with stress in our life. And you can see this going round and round. Can you imagine what it would be like just to be stuck in a roundabout and just drive round and round and round? Some of you are going like, I know what that's like. Yeah, you but in the stress cycle that we find ourselves in, we find ourselves like stuck in the roundabout of stress. And it's to that Jesus gives these words. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not, say it with me. It's a fascinating word that Jesus used right there. Maramno. And maramno means that which causes anxiety in a person's life. That which causes anxiety that is with negative effect. And when Jesus said this, he makes a statement, therefore I tell you, do not stress. He did so with the verb tense that indicates this. 
I don't want you to remain in the cycle or in the roundabout of stress in your life. It's not that you're never going to stress because things are going to come at you and you're going to feel it. But Jesus said, I do not want you to stay there. Do not stay in the roundabout of stress. Now, some of this could go like, well, Jesus, that's really easy for you to say. Like, right? You're God. You're in control. Which really is kind of a good thing for us to remember from time to time, too. That he is God and he is in control, not us. But Jesus is going to take us into the tension that stress can come about in our life. In other words, when we're in stress, in order to get out of it, we have to realize that there's, there's God's part and there's our part. And the tension of that, sometimes we're not quite sure what to deal with. In fact, sometimes the tension can lead to you know, these, the thinking this way. Will faith lead to apathy? In other words, if you just believe that God's going to help you in your stress, then you're just going to sit back and let God take care of it. Faith has taken me into apathy. You flip it, and it could go this way. Is action an indicator of a lack of trust? Hey, God, I got this, and you know, maybe if I think about it, and if I need your help, then I'm going to ask you, you know, for help with it as well. You just have to feel the tension of, of God's part and my part in this there's a saying that i found so helpful and it's one of those sage principles in other words it goes back centuries the first time it was written down that we know about was in the third century so 300 a.d by one of the church fathers with the name of saint augustine and saint augustine just had kind of captured on paper what people had been saying and realizing for quite a while and that's this that we need to pray as though everything depended upon God. While we work as though everything depended upon us. Every one of us has a bent. We have a bent toward either this, I'm just going to pray and trust God, let him work things out. We have the bent that we need to get into action and go somewhere. And I just want to check with you here and at our campuses and online as well. So, how many would say your bent is, especially in stress, that you're just going to pray and trust God and sit back and let, kind of let him work it out? How many are the, on the, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm waiting, trust God. If you're online, just put an indicator on there and feedback with this. Cool. All right. How many are on the bent? You bend toward, um, I just bend toward action. I feel like I just need to do something and, and then I later remember to pray. How many are like bent toward action that way? Okay. As I said, everyone has a bent that they have. After about 50 years now of observing and watching Christians and Christian development take place in people's lives, what I've observed is this, that most, not all, most Christians, when it comes to their own spiritual health and development, definitely go toward the passive side of things. That is, they're just like, sit back and trust God for my spiritual health and for my spiritual development. Things like life change, things like character development. We say, well, we're just so busy, but that became a convenient excuse rather than us engaging in doing our part 
and what it is that God would offer for us to be able to do. And one of the reasons that I, that I just share this right now, because I'm like, well, like, why do you say that? There's this impression that God has just, you know, left me with over the last year. And the impression is that, that I need to, in love, continue to call out the best in followers of Jesus. And that's exactly what I want to do for us. In 2020, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've just been kind of sitting back and waiting on God to help grow you and just for your own spiritual help, maybe you attend church, maybe you don't watch online that way, but that's kind of like where it ends. I want to just call out this best in you, that in 2020, that you are going to take steps of engagement in your own development that way. You're going to continue to pray like everything depends upon God, but you're going to begin to work like this also depends upon me as well. If you haven't yet downloaded the YouVersion Bible app just to join us in getting a verse a day, that could be a first step for you. Maybe it's going to be trying out a group. You've heard us talk about groups, but for you it's like, I am going to actually sign up for one and try it out this year. Now it's a great time to be able to do that. It may just be finding like, I am going to engage because I know that I could help and I could be a part of what God is doing here that way. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it right now. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. What we want to do today is go and look at one of the places of Scripture that God takes us into this tension that Jesus introduces us to, and especially when it comes to stress in our lives. In fact, I think there's a lesson here that we are all going to carry, not just throughout this week, but I think we're going to carry it throughout this decade with us, throughout all of 2020, this year for sure. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you can grab one on your phone, we're going to read an extended passage right here, that'll help, or um, grab a few Bible, turn with me to page 249, a couple of notes that we'll make along the way, and so I'll say, if you don't own a Bible, we want to just take the opportunity right now to offer you the one that you've got in your hands as a gift of ours to you, so take that with you, bring it back when you come as far as your own following along goes. I'm going to pick it up in verse number 19. So I'm in Deuteronomy 1, verse 19. Here we read this. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all the vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen, and so we reached Kadesh Barnea. And all God's people said, <laughs> what just happened? Like, what, what, just, what, did, what just happened here? How many feel like you just came in the middle of a movie? Like, like what is going on right here? And understanding the context is going to be so important. Who is talking? Moses is speaking to a group that has just come up to, I mean, You've got the whole nation of Israel, and there's this sign in front of them that says, Welcome to the Promised Land. That's where Kadesh Barnea is, right at the border. So we're at the state line, and we're coming into the Promised Land. The caption 
that we would read at this point, if this was a movie, is 40 years previously. Because we're being, Moses is sharing this story of what happened at the very same spot 40 years earlier with a new group of people. They're at the same place. They're at the, you know, welcome to the promised land, signs in front of them. And Moses said, I want you to know this to determine what it is that you are going to do. There's a lesson that you need to learn before you can move forward or to deal with the stress that you are going to be feeling. So knowing that, and where we're at, we can start in verse 20. Then I, Moses, said to you, the people of Israel that have just come out of Egypt, you've reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. We are here. We've arrived. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up, take possession of it as the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, has told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses said, because of what God has done for us, he's brought us here. A couple things that I just want you to keep in mind. Everyone that was at the doorway to the promised land had a common experience. Over the last less than 12 months, everyone had been delivered. They had been guided. They'd been protected and they'd been provided. Now, I just want you to do this with me real quick. They'd been, take your thumb and go, they'd been delivered. First thing, everyone had been delivered. Every one of them had come out of Egypt. They'd seen the 10 miracles that God did to get them out of there. They had walked through the Red Sea as God parted it. Every one of them had been delivered by the miraculous power of God. They had then been guided for this past year. They left Egypt. They took a pit stop at Mount Sinai where God gave them the Ten Commandments and he formed them up as a nation before he moved them on through there. But they did so. This guidance was with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was big enough that two million people could see the cloud going before them, giving them direction when to go, when to stop, at night a pillar of fire, giving them light and also protection from their enemies. So they'd been guided, every one of them. They knew this, this was of God. Three, they all knew that God had protected them along the way. Nobody had attacked them. They'd seen armies form up. Nobody would come near them. I think the pillar of fire and cloud had a part in that. And then four, they'd been provided for. Since they left Egypt, They didn't have enough food for two million people, but every day God gave them manna. It's called bread from heaven. So it was on the ground in the morning. Never experienced that in their life, but for this year, manna was there in the morning. For six days, on the sixth day, they got enough for two days because there was never anything on the seventh day. And then the next week it would start again. Everyone delivered, directed, protected, provided. Every single one of them had that experience. Moses going like, so don't be afraid, don't be discouraged as we go into this promised land that God's given us. Verse 22. Then all of you came to me and said, "Um, hey Moses, let us send some men to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route that we are to take and the towns that we're going to go to. And Moses said, the idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you 
one man from each tribe. They left, went up to the hill country, came to the valley of Eskel and explored it. They brought with them some of the fruit of the land. They brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So all the 12 spies, they came back and they did this. Yes! Let's Verse 26, first word is what? Say it out loud. Oh, there's the but. This is a good place, but. Moses said, you are unwilling to go up or to go in. In fact, you rebelled against the command of the Lord. He's talking to the people 40 years. Remember, this 40 years previous. You grumbled in your tents and said this. Check it out. The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. You talk about, you know, that, that's a really bad day. God hates me. Where can we go? Our brothers, that is those that went in, have made our heart melt with fear because they said, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls, they go up to the sky. We even saw the, the Anakites there. In other words, they, when the spies came back, they said, the land is good, but you got to understand the people there. It's like we're high school players, high school football, high school basketball going up against NBA and NFL. They are big. They are huge. We are going to get squashed. Then I, Moses, said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who's going before you, he'll fight for you just as he did in Egypt, like earlier this year, before your very eyes. And in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. Moses said, remember what God's done? Remember who God is? The one who, what? He delivered you. He guided you. He protected you. He provided. Like, we have all experienced this. Verse 32. But in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night, in cloud by day to search out the place of the camp to show you the way that you should go. It's like, just like nobody would just take God for who he was. They were looking at their stressors and letting that direct God rather than God, their stressors. Verse 34 says, When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, No one from this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore, except Caleb, son of Jephthunah. He will see it, because he's one that said, We can do this. And I will give him and his descendants the land that he set his feet on, because they, whole, because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Look at verse 40. But as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert. So what, what just happened here? Moses retold the story. This is what happened. In light of everything that God was, your parents, forefathers, relatives, they just said, we're not going to trust God. We don't think God is in control, and therefore we're not going to go in. And so God sent them out, and they spent the next 40 years there, and now they're back. And the question is this. Will you do 
what those who went before you wouldn't. Will you trust God knowing who God is? Will you trust him to do what he said and take you into the promised land? Now, if you're not familiar with the story and how it goes from here, they said, yes, we're willing to do that. And so children of Israel went into the promised land. And here's my question. Did God do what he said? Did he give them the promised land, give them cities they didn't build, and bless them for taking at his word and going in and trust him? If you know the story, you give the answer. If you don't know the story, take a guess. Yes or no, did God do what he said he was going to do? He did. Now here's the lesson, though. And this is this lesson that just continues to go before us. Moses is impressing upon them this. Jesus is going to bring us right back to this over and over again. Here's you know, our truth for this year. That is that God is in control, but I have a role. Would you say that once with me? God is in control, but I have a... One more time. Everybody? God is... But I have a role. God said... I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to do this. Here's who I am. Here's what I've shown you. But you need to do your part. You need to go in. You need to join with me in what's taking place. When it comes to the things that we are dealing with in our lives now, with our stressors, we need to remember that God is in control, but that we have a role. There's going to be in the things that you're facing, your stress, God's part, and there's going to be your part. Now, at the end of our rope, if you happen to be with us last week, we opened this up a little bit. It's online if you like to, you know, um, go there. At the end of our rope is that which is stressing us. So all of our stress is connected to something. And if you will just continue to pull on that which is in your basket and at the end of your rope, then you are going to find some of these that we have on the table. The stressors that we could have in our life. For example, maybe, happens to be my piggy bank from when I was a, you know, just a little guy. The stressor that you are feeling in your life is a financial one right now. And you're just feeling squeezed. I mean, you know, the stress you would acknowledge, it's a real thing. I just got to ask, knowing that there's two kinds primarily of individuals when we come to money, spenders and savers, how many would say, now nobody's pure one or the other, but for the most part, how many here would say that for the most part, you're more of a spender than you are a saver. Can I see your hands in here? Yeah, everybody's like, like, what are you selling, right? Like, how many here would be more of a saver than a spender? Yeah, like, very, very confidently raise your hand. Now, how many of you live with somebody different than you? Can I see your hands? And did anybody feel the stress that just went up in the room at that point? Now, there's some in here, you just go like, I can't afford to be either a saver or a spender. I'm a just-get-buyer right now in my life. That's what, that's what I'm going through. That, that's very, very real um, stress that's, that's taking place. Now, 
when it comes to your financial stress, God would say, I've got a part and you've got a part. If you're under the financial stress that you are right now, I just want to ask you this question. Have you gone to financial peace yet? Because if you haven't, there is help from God's word. There's help from um, the um, principles that you can get as to here's what you do with your life. Here's how you can help in the money matters. Here's how even if you're just a get buyer right now, you can begin to see hope for yourself. If you haven't, I'd encourage you. We've got a financial piece that's starting, you know, this week, Thursday. Sign up, come out, be there. Because if you will do your part, go to financial peace, then God can begin to do his part. You may have heard earlier, I know you heard earlier, this 20 for 20 challenge. You might wonder, like, well, why are we doing that? We believe when Jesus said that if you will honor God, put God first um, in your um, financial aspect of your life, every area of your life, but financially, then you are going to be able to see God at work in that. Because of that, we're trying to get you just to take God at his word, do your part, so that you could experience God doing his part. Because in your life, God is in control. But you have a role. For some, your stress may be family stress. Or you've got kids right now, there's kids stress at home. And I just want to kind of tease out next week as we think about, you know, family matters um, that way. We're actually going to be joined here next week. It's going to be cool. Um, Dr. Ben Landgraf, doctor, pediatrician, is going to come up here and talk to some of the things that he found to be really helpful and things he's observed with regards to family and stress as he's joining um, me as we're talking about that. Married, you know, if you're married, we know there's stress going to go with that. But again, we've got our part and we've got God's part. When we do re-engage here, we, we offer, here's what we can do. So if you're married, I would say to you, come to re-engage. That's your part. And then see God do his part. Because if you want your marriage better in 2020, then passive isn't going to be able to get you there. Some of us, oh, how many here are in school right now? How many are in any way at school? Middle school, high school, grade school, college, anything like that? Okay, for those of you in school, anybody um, that is in school, I'm going to ask you again, anybody feeling any stress from school? Can I see your hands? Look, at, there's more hands that are feeling stress from school than even said they were in school. Right? Like, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. I'm not going to ask you how many have a job, but how many are feeling stress from your job right now in this year? Like, yeah, like, for sure. What do we do with these stressors in our life? Because undealt with, we know it's going to negatively impact us. Well, remember, my part, God's part. Whether you're in school, whether you're at work, here's what God tells us. He would say, in all the work you're doing, school, job, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. Your part in school, your part at work, is this. Work the best you can. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. You do your part, and then let God do his part. See, when we don't, I remember, you know what my common prayer was in college and in seminary? My prayer was often this, God, would you bless me, help me with this test I didn't study for? (laughs) How many think that was a sincere prayer? 
It was sincere. I mean, I think it was a stupid, pr- like, yeah, like, God bless me because I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. Like, completely going against what he said. I did that in seminary, right? That's crazy. Right? <laughs> My part, God's part. I mean, God's in control, but I had a what? Oh, yeah, but, but I, had a, I had a role that way. Um, sometimes a stressor, we, we look and we look into the mirror and go, people are counting on me. That stresses me out. And there are many that are facing that right now. But most often when I'm looking into the mirror and I'm seeing myself, the thing that I find stressful is, am I going to be able to be the person that I need to be? And am I going to be able to overcome that which I'm pulling behind me? We continue to stress over the things of our past that that control us. And we look to the future but feel that we're controlled by the past. If that is a stress that you feel, I think Nathan may be able to speak to you through his story. Here it is. So my mother and father were together for a few years. I was born six months later, um, and they ended up getting a divorce. I didn't see a whole lot of my dad after that. There's a tendency with single, single mothers to do what's called um, emotional incest. Um, and that's where they really look at the, the son as the, the head of household, the male, the, the companion instead of a son, instead of somebody that they're supposed to guide and, and lead. So there was a lot of inappropriate talks and a lot of inappropriate things that, that happened. Um, with that relationship. And that just kind of led to isolation and me finding pornography. And I was 10, 11 years old, pretty common story, honestly. 20 years beyond that, it just escalates to a point where it's so out of control. I didn't look at it as an addiction, really. It was just something that I, I did. and. It's a great feeling for a couple of minutes and then it's on to the shame and it's on to all the other feelings that come with that. And then it's, well, I'm feeling terrible now again, so I just go back to it and keep going on and on and on. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I prayed, no matter how hard I read the Bible, it just, it didn't matter. I thought it helped with stress, but I think it caused more stress than it really helped. It just escalated and escalated to the point where I just said something. I confessed it in an area that cleaned the room, you know, because if you, if you say something like that in a, in a group of believers, it usually just, everybody's gone. Uh, you know, you could say, oh, I eat too much. Oh, well, stop it. You know, pray more about it. I'll help you with it. You know, those kind of things happen. And I don't read the Bible enough. Well, I'll help you with that too, you know. Well, I'm addicted to porn room's gone because it's got this stigma about it it's got this thing that's that's shameful and it's it just puts a cloud over everything it puts a cloud over your marriage puts a cloud over the way you raise your kids only by the grace of God did something come into my life that really changed direction for me in that aspect I had a friend that said hey I'm going to no regrets do you want to go and I'm like I'll go because you bought a ticket 
I guess I feel obligated now. So I showed up at No Regrets. It was so different than what I expected. It was so life-changing. There was a gentleman there who, he was bold and he was honest. We were telling our stories and he's like, I have this struggle, I, I got divorced because of it. This is an addiction, it's ruining everything that I've ever held dear. From that point on, I just felt this urge and nudge and push and shove to just get to know this gentleman more, to get to understand how he broke free of what he was dealing with. And I didn't know who he was, I didn't even know his name. And I'm like, I gotta follow you around. And he kind of looked at me like I was a weirdo and said, okay. And I followed him around and it was the Holy Spirit pushing me and nudging me towards him. And I've never had a better friend, ever. He introduced me to a group called the Conqueror Series. Hearing that other guys are struggling the same exact way that I was, the stories are so similar, it's eerie. About a year after that, I, Tom and I said that we needed to do a Conqueror group here. And we got one started, and it's on Thursday nights, and I'm leading it, and it's fantastic to see the guys come in and to see the guys get relief and healing and their marriages get strengthened, their relationships around them get strengthened. It's, it's such a great thing to see. If I was, I had no regrets three years ago, three and a half years ago, I would go up to myself and I'd be like, hey, it's okay. You are loved. You do matter. And you're worthy. You're worthy of everything. And there's a God who loves you and he really cares for you. And there's people that care for you and you don't need to feel the pain anymore. You don't need to act out. You don't need to continue down this cycle of destruction. I think that's what I would say. Wow, would you just join me in saying thanks to Nathan for his willingness to open up and talk about God's grace in his life. As he mentioned, the Conquer series, um, he leads, and that's on Thursday night, if that's something that you'd like to, to come out and to check out. Also, with um, No Regrets coming up, it's just a few weeks away right now. Um, Nathan had mentioned that was kind of like a catalyst to start for him. When you think about this, um, our part, you know, hey, if you're a man here, your part would be to sign up, to sign up to bring a friend. Then let God do his part in doing a work in your life that way. I've always said this, if you come out to no regrets and you found that it wasn't worth your time, I'll gladly give you your money back because I've seen over and over again just what God can do through that. So I certainly hope that uh, every one of the men today will say, yep, I'm going to do my part and then I will sign up for God to do his. One other stressor, and we hadn't talked about this one um, yet, deals with that which is inside us with regards to our spirit. This spiritual stressor, one of the more low-grade and then at times becoming a, um, a stressor that is just something that we can't escape, comes with this question, how good do I have to be to get to heaven? Or in other words, how good is good enough? Many of us lived our lives trying to make sure that the good outweighed the bad because if we didn't, we didn't think that we were going to be able to get to heaven. And we continually felt that stress of, am I good enough? And in the back of our minds, the thought of, I don't think that I am yet. Now, here's what Jesus said about this. He said, unless 
you're better than Billy Graham and Mother Teresa put together, you can't go to heaven. Actually, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said this, though. He said, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, there's no way you'll enter the kingdom of God. What he was saying is this. If you are going to try to work your way to heaven, you know, make your good better than your bad to, to earn God's righteousness, you're never going to be able to do it. Which for some is causing even greater stress right now and hearing about it's like, what am I going to do? When it comes to our spiritual, personal salvation, remember, God's in control, but we have a role. God's part. God's part in our salvation is this, that he sent his son, Jesus, who came and lived a sinless life, who went to the cross and paid the price for the sins of the world, for our sins in particular, and then he rose again. That is the gospel or the good news about Jesus. And he said that whoever would put their faith and trust in him, my part, to trust what Jesus did is all I need, to trust that what Jesus did, he did for me, and to come to him and to ask him, that is my part. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 puts it this way. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's never this. But it's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. As we come to face the stressors of our life, whether it's time, whether it's health, whether it's family, if it's our achievements, if it's changes going on, here's what we want to remember. And I want you to say it with me. In your stress, ready? God is in control, but I have a role. Well, let's add the words, in my stress. Everybody? In my stress, God is in control, but I have a role. One more time. In my stress, God is in control, but I have a role. Those who didn't go into the promised land, they looked at God through the lens of their stress and said, my stress is bigger than my God. Those who did go in, they looked at the same circumstances, they had the same stress, they hadn't gotten any smaller in there, but they looked at the stress through the lens of their God, and that's what gave them the courage to do what God had asked them to do, their role, and they discovered that God is in control. In this year, 2020, the one thing that we have to remember is this. Should we say it one more time? That God is in control, but that I have a role. Today your role might be trusting Jesus. Today your role might be making that commitment that I am going to get into a group. I am going to sign up for financial peace. I am going to, whatever it is, would you be willing to do your part so that God will show himself strong and do his part. Should we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did everything that was necessary, that we could have forgiveness, and we could have not only eternal life, but you're working in our lives right now, that we could have a better life with you. For those that are here, those that are watching online, 
those at each of our campuses, and they've recognized. I've been trying to do the best I could and be good enough. And Jesus, I am gonna let go of that and I am gonna trust you and you alone. And I'm gonna ask you for this personal salvation, for this forgiveness that you accomplish on the cross for me and my life today. If that's your prayer, to trust and to receive Jesus today. Can I ask, would you just raise a hand up high saying, guy, that's what I'm doing. That's what I've needed in my life. Just wave at me for a second. Sure. And others. Cool. As you're thinking about your stressor and your part, if you're not sure, would you just ask God? God, help me to see what you want me to do because I am going to do my part so, so that you will do yours. Thank you for this personal working that you're doing in each of our lives today, Father. Thank you that you're in control. And thank you that you've given us a role, our part, that we might know and experience the working of God. In the name of Jesus, and everybody agreement said, amen. Hey, for those that have just opened their lives up, trusted Jesus as their Savior, Fox River, can we just share what's in our heart for them? And just to be able to go, God bless you guys. We are so, so glad for that. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.